All right, welcome back to the big program. Duke, I was I was expecting a little more, you know, Halloween theme song there. That I mean, we were on a roll here. We had the Monster Mash, we had Thriller, you know. You don't consider that even in the vein of that uh, that kind of eerie Not even close, man. Oh, I want to get oh, I, I want the chills. So, do you even know what song that is? No, Kevin? I have no yeah, clue. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. So, what is it? Uh, Disturbia is literally oh. the name of it by well, uh, Rihanna. Ever heard of her? She played at the Super Bowl. Uh, I've heard of her. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, as we bring in uh, Grant Fear uh, in Palm Desert, uh, Grant, you, we were talking about uh, the fact maybe you guys probably hang, used to hang around with some of the cast of SCTV, maybe went out for a beer with, you know, guys like John Candy and Eugene Levy and uh, Joe Flaherty. So Joe Flaherty was the guy from Monster Chiller Horror Theater. Now, do you remember any of that stuff back in the 80s, Grant, when SCTV was here? Uh, very little. Okay. So. Too bad. But I, love oh. my, I love my horror movies, though. Okay. We are a diehard horror movie fanatic, so October is kind of my favorite month. You get 31 days of horror plus hockey season starts, so <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. No, it doesn't. So, top horror movies, what are they for you? I'm a big fan of The Exorcist. Oh. I've always really liked that. Uh, Rosemary's Baby is kind of a creepy one that I enjoy, so I, I like the strange things. Did you? So, um, what about Amityville Horror? They were good. <sighs> they were good. Actually, I think it's the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist this year as well. Oh, you know. So, so, but did they just come out with another Exorcist one? Yeah, they just came out with a new release of it, which I haven't had the opportunity to see yet, but I got to go out and see my daughter in Newfoundland, so there might be some time to watch <laughs> it on the airplane. So the, uh, the old, old one, is that the Linda Blair one you're talking about? It is, and that was that was the, that's the original that came out. That back then scared everybody to death. It did, you know. I, so, okay, whenever you get like you know, you're talking about the devil and possession and all that. Is that what it is? Like, I mean, the other stuff to me, like the Jason and all those guys with the chainsaws, that really doesn't scare me as much as the um, demo, no. demonic atmosphere, I guess, or what? Yeah, well, the slash and hack movies are. You're basic, okay, different ways of carving somebody up and that sort of thing. There's no real fear to it. It's more shock. Whereas you get into the stuff of the supernatural and all that, there's actually fear in it because there's a chance and a possibility that a lot of it could be real. And I think that's the fun of it. Well, I'll tell you what, Grant, if you uh, you got to check out Count Floyd, it's Joe Flaherty, Monster Chiller, Horror Theater, uh, SCTV. They did it back, uh, they filmed it here in the in the early 80s um, at uh, where I used to work at the old ITV that did your games, of course, with Tim Spellacy and things like that. But uh, what happened was Dr. Allard, um, he got all these guys from Toronto. They were doing all like John Candy, Joe Flaherty, Eugene Levy, and all, all the whole crew. What, what happened was they... Um, the production company out east said, we don't want to do you guys anymore. So they came out, Dr. Allard got them out here, and they basically did SCT for several years and went around town and things like that. They had a lot of fun, and it was a cool aspect. I actually got a text coming in. Harry just says, John, 
John Candy uh, and uh, Flaherty filmed on my mom's crescent. So these guys did, they had the Melonville things. They had, uh, man, these guys were just, uh, they were ahead of their time uh, for sure. So tonight though in uh, in Coachella Valley uh, is the dawn or day of the dead. So what's that all about then tonight? It's, it's the Latina celebration of the dead. So the, you're celebrating life. It's a way of celebrating life through the dead. Okay. So it's, it, it's a real big, I would call it sort of a celebration ceremony in the, uh, the Mexican way of life. Okay. So we, we did some special jerseys that I think are phenomenal. I mean, actually, I wish I had one here. I could show you. Oh, I yeah, think that would be some cool, of the coolest yeah. jerseys I've seen, Okay. but no, it's, it's going to be a big celebration and, this year it just happens to fall on Halloween, so it's kind of fitting. So it's uh, Coachella Valley hosting Abbotsford tonight, correct? We do. We have Abbotsford in tonight, and it should be a good matchup. I mean, Abbotsford's scored the most goals in the American Hockey League right now, but they've also given up a bunch of goals, and mm-hmm. our guys are just kind of finding their stride. We haven't really scored a whole lot at home, but our three road games we've scored, what do we score? We scored four in Tucson, we scored eight the other night in San Jose, and then... Sunday night, we scored five more in San Jose. So on the road, we're scoring a bucket load of goals. At home, we haven't quite found that stride yet. Grant Fuhrer is our guest, uh, co-host on Sports 1440 every Tuesday from 9 to 11. And in case you're not aware, Grant also does uh, color commentary for the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds in the American Hockey League. Uh, The birds are home to uh, Abbotsford tonight on the... uh, Day of the Dead. Ooh, it's just, you can just, it's scary just thinking about it. There's no question about it. So, that's kind of a, it's a pretty celebration for Halloween. Mm-hmm, it's perfect. So, do you think everyone will have like the whole, uh, the whole wrinkle of every fan will have masks on and things like that tonight? Oh, yeah. We'll have a lot of Halloween costumes, a lot of masks. I'm expecting a few people, actually, a lot of people dressed up as skulls, that sort of thing. Mm. And, We've got trick or treating on the contact on the, our concourse for kids, and it's going to be a fun night. So last Wednesday, before you made your way up here, uh, it was a close game, one nothing. I think you lost to Ontario, correct? And then how did that game go? And then we'll talk about the two games against San Jose in a second. Yeah, you know what? We played extremely well, but David Riddich stole the show. Hmm. I and mean, fans in Edmonton will remember him. He played in Calgary, and it, yes, did he celebrate a little bit here and there? He did. And it was no different when he played against us. There was lots of celebrations, and I think some of our guys didn't take it real well. So, But we've, we've played well at home. We just haven't had the results that we've wanted. Both games have been really close. We lost 1-3-2 to Bakersfield at the start of the year and played really well. And uh, Calvin Pickard stole the show in that one. Mm-hmm. And then David Riddich stole the show in the other one. So opposing goalies have been fantastic in the two games we've played at home so far. Yeah, he lost uh, again one nothing, and that's got to be a tight one for sure. Uh, what were the games like that you heard? Because obviously you were here uh, when the Birds went to San Jose to play the Barracuda for two games back to back Saturday and Sunday. Uh, well, I kept getting reports. We jumped off to a fast lead, and I think that's what we've done on the road: is we've got out of the gate really fast and built a lead, or at least we did on Saturday night. Sunday we had to play from behind a little bit, but at the same time. We keep finding ways to win games on the road. We just haven't found that on at home yet. It was like that last year. We started with 22 in a row on the road. And everybody thought that was kind of going to be the death of us. But we were a great road team last year. And 
we made the building here tough to play in this year. We haven't quite got to that yet, but at the same time, both games at home have been close. So they're due for a breakout here at home. Do you think the guys are kind of starting to settle in here after a few games? Yeah. I mean, anytime you've got, I think we've got seven or eight new players this year. So it takes time to gel a little bit and, we had the bonus last year of being on the road for that long, and it gave the guys that opportunity to get to know each other, to gel a little. And it's maybe taking a little bit longer this year, but at the same time, I think we ownership and management has gone out and given us a really good roster. I think we've actually upgraded our roster from last year, where by the end of the year, we may even be a better club than we were last year. What can you say about Cameron Hughes? So he's a local guy. Uh, from Edmonton, went down to Wisconsin's, kind of bounced around here and there. Can you kind of update, uh, I guess, uh, our listeners and the, the people that have known him? He played a couple seasons with the Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, what's he kind of been at? He's been down there for, he was down there for one year, but uh, how's his start of the season going? Cam's been good. I mean, probably he hasn't got the goals that he's wanted, but at the same time, he's getting the opportunities. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about Cam is, the goals he does score are all highlight. I mean, they're, he doesn't get the boring goals. They're all special goals where whether he's beat two or three guys, whether he makes a highlight move, he has the hands that he can do that. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing on our second line and contributes all the time. I mean, if you look at his playoff numbers last year, I, probably, I think it was the third or fourth round when he finally scored a goal, but he had like 19 assists before yes. that. So you don't, you didn't really notice him scoring-wise – but yet he was in our top three or four in scoring in the playoffs last year. So Cameron Hughes was a sixth-round draft pick by Boston um, eight years ago. Kind of, you know, bounced around in the Bruins system in Providence um, before he came into to, to the Kraken organization. So do you see, can he get to that next level? He, played a, he did play two games with the Bruins in his career. Is there a chance that he's got the ability to make this next step, Grant? I think he can. Okay. I mean, I think he can... He can fit on any of your second, third, fourth line. He can play the grinding minutes. He can play a finesse game. He can play a physical game. So I think he's got all the pieces that if Seattle were to run into some injury problems, you could see him up there playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to come up to another break here. We'll have Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports coming up at 1020. At 1040, Brett Hedekin uh, from the San Jose Sharks. Uh, man, the Sharks are in a little bit of a, a pickle here trying to turn things around. Uh, text coming in to one 401 from the shanked one, The Omen. The Omen, that was a pretty scary bunch of movies. What do you think of those ones, Grant? The Omen were good. I, I think that was that's one of the better movies that came out as well. <laughs> so what happens in, like, do you guys have, I mean, you'll be at the game tonight, but how does Halloween work down there, you know, in Palm Desert? Like, what happens? You got treats, Same as home. Lots of kids, kids are coming. up trick-or-treating, yeah. lots of candy. You'll, well, you'll have lots in your neighborhood, Grant? Our neighborhood, not so much. Ours is a little bit older neighborhood, so we won't mm-hmm. get as many kids, but... We'll probably have, oh, 8,000 or so wow. at the rink. So it'll be lots of trick-or-treating going on at the rink tonight. Oh, man. Uh, so did you, did you have, like, you know, the Oilers and all the teams in the, in the NHL, really, they've kicked it up a notch for, for parties, for Halloween parties. Did you guys do a lot of that back in the day, too? Oh, yeah, we had our Halloween parties. I and mean, I think uh, some of them were at Kevin and Mess's house yeah. and... 
Some of them, we may have had at some of the bars around town. So, oh yeah, there, there was a lot of entertainment had on Halloween. Well, for sure. Did you have uh, a specific costume that you could remember that you donned? Uh, not that I remember. I would have fit in perfect as a Jason. I could have worn a mask and we could have been good that way. But yeah, just you could have just you know kept it on from practice or whatever. I, I wish a guy could have been creative back then. I could have created a really good Halloween mask. Yes, you could have. Uh, uh, all right, we'll uh, get to some uh, pro football talk as the uh, NFL's on trade deadline today, 2 o'clock. We've seen one trade come in already. Shereen Williams will guest with us after the break, plus Brett Hedigan coming up at 1040. It's Kevin Carius, Grant Fuhr, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carries along with Grant Fuhrer on Sports 1440 as we welcome in Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. Uh, Shereen, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for having me. Well, Great to be with you guys today. Yeah, thanks for coming on on a busy day. Well, sometimes it's a busy day when we talk about trade deadline, maybe not so much in the NFL, but you know when we have NHL trade deadline day, it's, uh, it's bananas up here. So are you expecting uh, anything to kind of happen more so today, trade deadline-wise in the NFL? We already did have the Montez Sweat thing uh, come down as well. Yeah, you know, it's been pretty quiet so far, and, and I don't know if it'll pick up or not. The problem with it is, since they've gone to the 17-week season, every team is still pretty much in it. And you saw some teams that might have otherwise traded not win over the last two weeks. You saw the Titans win. They might have been a team that, you know, with Nico Autry and, and Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins and some of those players, they might have been willing to part with them for, for the right deal. Um, but they won, and so I doubt that they're going to make any trades. And, and some other teams like that you saw win. So I really think the NFL needs to move this trade deadline mm. back and and make it clear that these are the teams that are out of it, these are the teams that are still in it, and these are the teams that are kind of in the middle. Because right now we have mostly teams in the middle. So I think the Commanders and Giants, who have made deals over the last two days, they're probably the two teams you kind of look at and, and – Frankly, Chase Young could be a candidate to, to still be traded today if somebody gives the commanders a, a good deal. But it's those players who are out of contract after this year. Teams don't want to spend a lot of money on them uh, to re-sign them after this season and feel like they can get something for them are the guys you kind of look at. But to answer your question, long answer your question, to answer your question, I really don't think it's going to be a whole lot, which is why I think the NFL needs to move that. Shereen Williams is our guest on the uh, Kevin Carey Show from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. Uh, Kevin Carey, along with the Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, Grant Fear. Grant, have you got one for Shereen? Yep, sorry, I can't hear Shereen on my end, but oh, okay. I do have a question for her. Yep. Uh, will the LA Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders do anything to fix the mess they've got going there? Yeah, I, I don't see them really doing anything. I think they'd be more likely to be sellers at this point. But, you know, I, I expect with what happened with Devontae Adams yesterday, with the frustration of one catch for 11 yards, I would expect they will get a ton of phone calls today uh, inquiring about whether he's, he is available for trade or not. I don't expect them to do anything, but – I do think that they will get at least a phone call or two uh, to inquire about his availability. He'd be the one guy. But I think they're they're more on the seller end than the buyer end at this point. 
and probably looking more to, to 2024. And we've got a few teams like that. But, you know, you look at a team like the Bears, for instance. Yeah, they Jalen Johnson, they've given him, him permission to seek a trade. And the 49ers certainly have a need in the secondary and would be a team that might make a call for him. But the Bears just don't have a ton of players. They're out of it, but they don't have a ton of players you really look at to, to go get. And I think the Panthers – who are out of it, think they're building towards something and they're not going to trade away all their good players because they think they've got something going for the next couple of years that they can build on. So I really think we're going to kind of be at a standstill today with this trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk. Go ahead, Grant. Go ahead, Grant. Being a, being a Packers fan, will my Packers do anything? <laughs> Yeah, they would be – they're not a team that normally does. And, and you know, um, LaFleur said yesterday he doesn't expect anything. I wouldn't expect them to do anything. They aren't normally movers at the trade deadline. But they would be a team that you would look at that could do something. They could be a buyer. Um, and, and I would like to see them address some of their deficiencies. You know, that receiver position, for instance, they just got so many young guys at that receiver position. It really makes it hard for Jordan Love. We're not going to – find out anything about him probably for another year he just hasn't been given a real chance with the receiving core that he has I think some of those guys can turn out to be pretty good receivers but they aren't there yet and so he just hasn't been given that Devontae Adams or somebody to help him um, do for instance what Will Levis did on Sunday with (laughs) with DeAndre Hopkins throw it up and let those guys make catches he doesn't have that so, you know, they would be a team that, that should probably do something, but I don't look for them to do anything. We're with Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports on the Kevin Carey Show with Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear on Sports 1440. So, Shereen, with Kirk Cousins going down for the season, is that just as plain and simple in-house uh, solution in Minnesota with the Vikings? Well, wouldn't you love to see them, or Vikings sure would love to see them, go get a quarterback. And mm. and there are some quarterbacks even out there. Even a guy like Joshua Dobbs would be better than what they have right now. So I would love to see them make a move. I think they've got to, the team to get to the postseason. I don't think they have a team to win. And I, I don't think you're going to see a guy like Tom Brady come out of retirement to play for the Vikings with thinking he has a chance to win the Super Bowl. I don't see that. But I do see this as a playoff team if they can get a serviceable quarterback in there. I don't know that they will make a move. I don't expect them to make a move. But that would be today the one big move that you could Mm -hmm. see. If they go trade for a quarterback, I think we say, well, that was a successful trade deadline move, and and we've at least had some action. You know, because right now it's Leonard Williams and Montez Sweat are, are the big names on the market that have been traded already, and, and I just don't know if there's going to be any more big names to move. But that would be the one I would love to see today is the Vikings who get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shereen Williams uh, from Pro Football Talk and uh, NBC Sports is our guest, Kevin Carius, uh, along with Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Uh, what did you make, Shereen, of the uh, Detroit Lions last night? They, I mean, they, they just dominated uh, Vegas, but, yeah. I mean, the game was a lot closer than it should be. Do you put... Detroit in that upper echelon yet because they seem to make a lot of mistakes yet even though they are winning yeah I think last night was kind of is the glass half full or is the glass half empty because they did almost have 500 yards they went one for five in the red zone you know they had the obviously the, the fumble in the red zone that maybe wasn't a fumble and then the missed field goal in the red zone and that you're right it should have been a route it should not have been as close as it ended up being 
But I do think that, that they are fully capable of, of beating anybody in the NFC and getting a Super Bowl. The problem for them is they're a much better team at home, as most teams are, but a much better team at home than they are on the road. So they need to keep winning so they at least get one uh, game at home, possibly two games at home, which would do that, service them very, very well. Uh, because they playing in that dome is a lot different than going and playing on the road outside somewhere in a tough environment. So that, to me, is the key for the Lions. If they're going to go very far in the postseason, is to get that home field advantage. So they've got to keep winning, and they've got a hard stretch coming up. We're really going to find out exactly where they are with this stretch of games coming up soon. Grant? Yeah, uh, with Buffalo. So they're taking a look at Leonard Fournette. Would Leonard make a big difference there in Buffalo and give them a little more of a ground game? You know, he's not as explosive as he once was, and there's a reason he's still a free agent at this market. But, you know, I wanted the Cowboys to go sign him because, to me, they need a power back, a guy in short yardage and goal line. And I think that's exactly what he does, and I think that's where he can help you. So, yeah, I think he's going to help him in those situations. Um, of short yardage, you know, red zone situations, goal line situations, those sorts of things. He can still be a very good back to do that. He's a power runner. He can run between the tackles. He also is going to help in that running backs room. They have some young running backs. He can help them uh, just in that room, coach them up a little bit. So I think he's going to – I think it was a good signing. I'm surprised that he's remained on the market this Mm -hmm. long. It might have been his choice. To wait, maybe he knows he doesn't have a lot left in those legs. He's got about a half season, and that's what he's going to get. He's going to get a half season and get into the flow of the game and then be ready for the postseason. So I think it's a really, really good signing by Buffalo. Obviously, you don't have to give anything up for to get him except money. So that's the key thing. Um, they didn't have to give up any draft picks. Or not. And that's another team I'd like to see go make some moves today, one or two moves. You've got some weaknesses. You've had some season-ending injuries at a couple positions. Go, go make some moves to help you get better um, because, you know, that's a pretty good division there. The Jets remain in it, and obviously the Dolphins look like they're rolling on offense at least and are one of the best teams in the AFC. So I think the Bills should go out and make a couple moves today. I don't expect them to, but I think they should. Well, Shereen Williams bringing it uh, this morning on Sports 1440. So your career has just been, I mean, you've covered up upwards of 30 Super Bowls, but I wanted to ask you about throwing out the first pitch five years ago or so at a Texas Rangers game. Obviously, you're a big Rangers fan. What was that like and how close of tabs are you keeping on the World Series right now? Well, actually, I'm a big Astros fan. So oh. I'm very disappointed that <laughs> oh, I, I grew up in the Houston area, so obviously I'm very disappointed that my Astros lost to the Rangers. So oh. now I'm having to hear it from all my friends up here who are Rangers fans. But congratulations to them. I mean, it's a team. You know, it, it, I know it's the same in hockey. It's the same in every sport. Like, these teams that have never won it and have been bad for so long, I mean, you love to see mm-hmm. them get a chance at a championship. Every fan should get to experience a championship in their lifetime. And, and so I think it's great for these long-suffering Rangers fans to get a chance to, to see what it's like to play in a World Series and possibly win a World Series. The Diamondbacks have one. Rangers don't have any. So, um, But throwing out the first pitch, regardless of whether it was the Astros or Rangers, was, was fantastic. I bounced it in there. I practiced and practiced and practiced. <laughs> Even got the Rangers' former pitching coach and former Dodgers pitcher, uh, Claude Osteen, who has 199 career victories, to 
to help me. And, uh, man, I was firing it in there. I was all set and ready. And then you get up there, and, boy, that mound looks a long way from home plate <laughs> once you get up there. <laughs> oh. Grant, have you ever uh, thrown out a first pitch at a game like that or anything? Um, I did it at an Edmonton Trappers game. Okay. So How'd a long do? time ago when I could actually still throw a ball. Did you, did you fire it in there? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you gotta awesome. gotta pretend like you're still playing. <laughs> Grant was a big That's ball it. player as well, Shereen. Uh, besides being in the Hockey Hall of Fame, he was a, a heck of a ball player too. Growing up in this in these parts, so uh, yeah, we're not surprised that he would fire a BB uh, in there. So when you you were growing up, you were a big Dallas Cowboys fan, is that right? I was. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird people are asking me now because they. When I go on NBC, when I go on PFT Live, I have an Astros cap and a, and a, a, and a uh, Cowboys jersey in the background. How would you become – well, everybody was a Cowboys fan in Texas pretty much, to be honest. And, and even growing up near Houston, uh, everyone was Cowboys fans. And my grandmother lived up in this area. So I was a big Cowboys fan, but then the other teams were, were all the Houston teams um, that I rooted for since I grew up in that area. So that's kind of how I, I crossed over, I guess, kind of unusual that – you might not have, you know, in, in your hometown root for all the teams. But I never rooted for the Oilers. But I tell you what, I think the Oilers, remember, all the Oilers stuff should have stayed in Houston with the Texans, and it should be a part of their history. But those Oilers uniforms may be the best in the NFL. I love the tight. I didn't necessarily love the tight wearing them, but I thought they looked very good wearing them. Uh, they they looked really cool. And uh, you know what's funny up here? We we had the Heritage Classic outdoors, uh, the outdoor game on Sunday. And uh, J.J. Watt had posted something, uh, Shireen, to the fact that he loves the Oilers uniforms. Well, a lot of people up here thought he was talking about the Edmonton Oilers uniforms. That's awesome. <laughs> so That's awesome. I love it. It's a little bit off. Um, can you kind of explain your your connection to all of the great Cowboys uh, with the Hall of Fame, guys like Gil Brandt and Drew Drew Pearson? Yeah, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, so I've, I got to present, fortunate enough to present some of those guys to the Hall of Fame. And the first one I presented was Larry Allen. It doesn't get much easier than that. I mean, one of the greatest guards in NFL history. So he was really easy. And, then, you know, uh, Gil Brandt and Jerry Jones and, and Michael Irvin and um, Charles Haley and DeMarcus Ware, uh, some of those guys I helped. Uh, with their presentations or presented them. And, and then, of course, my history with the Bucks. I covered the Buccaneers for six years. So uh, John Lynch, I, I helped with his. Um, got to present him one time when he didn't get in and then and then helped with the presentation the year he did get in. Um, and so some of those Buccaneers, the Warren Saps and, and Derek Brooks, it was an honor to have covered some of those guys. So, I, you know, I've been fortunate to cover so many great players um, and Grant knows it's just you know when, when you get to see some of the all-time greats play, it, it's a real thrill. And, and it, the careers are always um, never long enough. Even Tom Brady's careers, you know, wasn't long enough to, to get to see him play. And I'm very grateful that I've got to see so many of those guys play in person. And many of them, I've got to see most of the games that they played in their careers in person. And and it, it was. You know, probably one of the highlights of, of my career is to, is to get see, to see some of those guys play and some of the great plays uh, that those guys made in their careers. Grant, can you kind of relate to that? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, anytime you get to watch great players, I mean, I lucky enough, I get to see guys like Gila Fleur. Uh, you look at a guy like Mario. They, just the stars of the game. And anytime you get a chance to watch them or see them is really cool. I mean, I get to see Jacques Plante 
in Edmonton as a kid. So at the tail end of his career and I just the guys that you idolize as a kid, you watch growing up to get to see them live and then get the opportunity to play within a year or two of them or get the opportunity to play against them. It's pretty special. Sure. Yeah, I covered a couple. I, I didn't cover the year the stars won the Stanley cup, but I got to cover them the year that they helped out cover in the playoff coverage when they lost to the devils in the Stanley cup finals. And, and I'll tell you what, like, I've been to so many Super Bowls, been to a couple World Series, you know, been to a couple NBA Finals, covered that. There, I don't know if there's anything like a Stanley Cup Final. And that was just so much fun um, to see those guys play. And and, uh, and even though they didn't win it, it, it was just a, a lot of fun to get to cover that. But anytime you see a great – I got to see – I got to cover Vince Carter in high school and, mm-hmm. and – uh, probably the best player I ever covered in high school. And, and anytime you see a great player play, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable some of the things they can do. Uh, Shereen, you also with the, uh, the uh, Dick McCann award for the uh, PFWA, uh, can you just uh, express the honor that uh, that was bestowed on, on you for that? Yeah, you know, it's it's the highest honor that, that we can get. You know, it's our version of the Hall of Fame. Our name goes on a plaque at the Hall of Fame, so it's it's pretty cool to to see your name up there. And uh, and and it's special because your peers vote on you, and I think that means that you've earned the respect of your peers over the years. So that, that's why you know it's really more special than than anything else. Is is I I feel like I've earned the respect of my peers because they. They wouldn't have voted me for that otherwise, I think. So, um, yeah, one of the highlights of, of my career, no doubt about it. Well, we really appreciate your time today. It was a joy talking to you, and uh, I, I never got to the Olympic angle that we uh, that we wanted to get to with all the Olympics you covered, but maybe we can do that next time. Thanks, Shereen. Appreciate it. Joy to, a joy to be on with you guys. Thanks so much. That's uh, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk in NBC Sports. Man, Grant, she knows her stuff. I mean, she's been around a long time, covered, as you said, many, many things. I like it, too, when, it, when a reporter can kind of um, so branch off, as she said, going into the hockey angle. You know, even though it's probably not her strength, I guess, as a reporter. But I like... Yeah, no, I like, I like the crossover. Yeah. I mean, I think... That, that shows you why she's such a good reporter. Mm-hmm. She's got that crossover. She follows the different sports, and she's very well educated in all the sports. And that's that takes a lot of study. I, I think, too, the other angle, when I look at it, I mean, say hockey could be one of our strengths, but when we when say you and I are even now, because you've been getting into this, and you bring in another sport, it offers um, your, a, a different uh, perspective. You're uh, looking at it from a different set of eyeballs that normally, as you say, now you're, you're a color analyst in the AHL. You're looking at it l- l- like you've looked at hockey for your whole entire life, but when you branch off into something else, I think you can offer that. Do you, do you feel that as well now that you're kind of branching off into this kind of angle of broadcasting? Yeah, I mean, as, as a fan, you just kind of watch the other sports. Mm-hmm. But now with a little bit of broadcasting, now you actually – take a little deeper dive into the other sports and you try and learn a little bit more about them and you maybe follow them a little bit closer mm-hmm. than you normally would instead of just say sitting watching Green Bay which I would have normally done is just curled up and watched Green Bay and enjoyed that but at the same time now I'll watch more football and more games just so that you do follow it a little bit more and have yeah. a little bit more knowledge about it. Uh, we're going to have Brett Hedekin uh, right after the break. Did Have your paths crossed a lot in the hockey world? You and Brett, Grant? I played, I played against Brett. Okay. I mean, other than that, that's about it. But he's got a tough job going in San Jose right now. Oh, 
Yeah, they sure do. So uh, we will talk with Brett Hedekin uh, right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Well, the Duke comes in with one last one. I think, well, that was a request as well, wasn't it, Duke? Um, witchy Woman. I always think of the Seinfeld episode, too. Um, I was, Elaine was going on with that guy with the, what was he, the furniture guy? Hardman or whatever. I can't remember exactly uh, what he did, but yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. So they had the one Eagle song and he was, no, no, that's, I don't know if it was Fardman. This is some other guy. I don't know. Um, text coming in one 401 That was from Rob. He goes, I need another song that isn't quite Halloween, but could be justified. Witchy women, woman, the Eagles. Uh, and the Duke says, yeah, that was on my list. How about this? Victor sends us in grant and, Victor and I have had a little conversation going today. Uh, great show today, KK, Duke, and Grant. Have a happy Halloween. Cheers, playbook. Uh, Vic, we're just awaiting uh, Brett Hedekin, Sharks color analyst, uh, to uh, dial in. Kevin Carius, Grant Fear on Sports 1440. So I guess, Grant, you, you know, um, Coachella Valley played uh, San Jose on the weekend, the farm team of the, uh, the Barracudas farm team of the Sharks. You, what do you know about the farm team and how that can relate to the big club here? Well, I think the Barracuda look like they might be a little bit thin this year. Okay. I mean, I know they're they're off to a tough start, and our guys had our kind of had our way with them. So yeah. it, the Sharks are having a tough go at the National Hockey League level. They they've struggled. The farm team struggled a little bit, so they've got some growing pains going on in San Jose right now. Well, uh, let's elevate your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Um, Forbes' best-rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit uh, TrustRam.com for more information. Kevin Carries, along with uh, Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr, as we welcome in uh, Brett Hedekin, Sharks Color Analyst. Uh, Brett, welcome uh, to Sports uh, 1440. You're with uh, Carries and Fuhr. Hey Kevin. Hey, uh, hey Grant. How you doing, man? Good to good to. I'm good, Grant. You hear your voice? Yeah, doing good. Uh, I would say so. I was asking Grant. So the two of you guys, you would have played against each other, but never uh, with each other. Brett, what are your recollections of playing against Grant? Well, it was uh, you know early in my career, I had a chance. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, all those years growing up watching the Edmonton Oilers uh, as much as I could, being. You know, a Minnesota kid where we didn't get a lot of professional hockey on TV. When I did, I was watching the Oilers as much as I could. Uh, but just phenomenal group group of guys. I had a chance to, and privilege to play with Mark Messier. And, you know, I just learned so much uh, from Mess just on leadership and just how winning teams and winning cultures and how he did things behind the scenes. And I'm sure, Grant, you probably felt that through all your winning environments as uh you get to really feel what a winning environment feels like from the inside and you realize why it's a winning culture. And then you realize when you've been on tough teams, like maybe what the Sharks are going through now uh, and why things aren't the way you want it to be when you're in those losing teams. So you learn in both environments. And uh, I learned a lot from mess and learned a lot, obviously watching you, Grant. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah, I, I think that's the difference between winning teams and teams that are struggling a little bit is maybe what's within the room. I mean, leadership makes a big difference. So you look at good hockey clubs, they'll bring in that veteran guy that brings in a lot of leadership and leadership qualities that rubs off on the younger guys. And the teams that seem to struggle don't have that. They're maybe missing that one or two pieces where it might not be the talent level, but it's the inside the room level that brings everybody kind of that to the top of their game. 
We're with Brett Hedekin, Grant Fuhr on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So, Brett, um, how in your mind uh, can the San Jose kind of Sharks find their way out of this uh, uh, rough start to the season? Uh, uh, kind of touching on what both of you guys said about, you know, team, things like that. Uh, what in your mind needs to be done here moving forward with the Sharks? Well, you look at the leadership, as Grant was just mentioning, is, you know, Tomas Hurdle right now is the one guy that's been trying to lead the way. And when you got Logan Couture, the captain, you know, been out since the start of the season, he has not played a game yet. Um, Mikael Granlin played about a period in game one, hadn't played again since just the other night in Washington. You know, he's got 750 games in the NHL. So a player that's got, you know, the ability to get out there and make NHL plays, he can, you know, settle things down after a tough shift because he's got that experience. And I think when you just look through this roster, there's just not enough guys that can settle the game down and have enough experience. And there's not enough of those leaders that Grant's mentioning that can come in and, and that were brought in to lead the way when things are going you know, tough. I mean, Nico Starm is a guy that provides that Stanley Cup champion with Colorado. But he's like your third and fourth line kind of role player, you know, penalty killer and that sort of thing. So, you know, the top six forwards right now are lean with, with Logan out. Um, Tomas Hurdle is starting to find his way in that leadership category. Uh, they brought in Anthony Duclair. Luke Cunnan's been here now for a couple of years. Zetterlin. William Eklund is the young forward that they, uh, you know, let play a little bit last year in the, in the AHL, played 54 games. He's starting to find his way a little bit. But overall, I'd say, Kevin, it, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a struggle throughout. Uh, their goaltending has been better. Mackenzie Blackwood's done everything imaginable to keep the Sharks in games. And Kapo Kakin and the other goaltenders really improved. I mean, last year I thought there's no way this kid can play in the NHL. And he's really worked on his game over the course of last season, implementing some new style, and then over the course of the summer as well. So the goaltending is actually, you know, which you can't believe has been there. It's just they don't have the goal support. One goal a game is not going to get it done. Grant, you know these goaltenders quite well. Your thoughts on them? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you if Mackenzie Blackwood's been the biggest surprise in the organization so far. 100%. I, I really have been impressed with uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. And, you know, some goaltenders, you know, might get rattled after, you know, they've been shelled. And, and, and I say shelled. I mean, he's he basically, there's nothing he could have done. I mean, there's been a couple of bad goals. But really, when I say bad goals, they're through traffic. And he just didn't pick up the puck and it finds a five hole. Like, just things that you just you just got to scratch your head. But overall, this guy has been phenomenal. I mean, really, like every night I'm calling games, I'm going, what a stop, <laughs> what a play, what a what a read. And he makes it look easy. So Mackenzie Blackwood has absolutely done everything that, you know, they've wanted him to do and more. Uh, Brett Hedekin, Grant Fear on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but the one point that uh, the Sharks did pick up this year was about a 50-save performance by Blackwood against Colorado. It was 51, actually. Wow. I mean, he it was a record for a, a goaltender that's been, you know, moved to another team to come in on his first start and put up 51-save performance. And, it, you know, put up an NHL record there mm-hmm. in that game. And he was, you know, literally 50 seconds from winning that game, there was a chance to get the puck out by Luke Cunning. He didn't. And then, you know, they keep it in. And Cal McCarr, sure enough, you know, a player that's, arguably one of the best defensemen right now in the game, uh, you know, gets it, makes a terrific play, pulls it to the inside, and through a maze of people, he hits it off the goalpost and in to tie the game, and it goes into a shootout, and the Sharks lose. So the one performance that, you know, you're hoping that they could get in the win column and kind of let their 
uh, breathe a little bit easier. You know how that is, Grant, when you're losing games and you just it, it just doesn't seem to go your way on either getting a call when you need it or getting that bounce to go in the back of the net. They haven't had that this year, but when they've had the performance, they haven't been able to finish it off. Yeah, I mean, they say winning's a habit, but losing's a habit too. And bad things seem to start happening when you're losing. I, I get another quick question for you. Are the Barracuda a little bit thin where they're not really able to help the Sharks right now? Well, I think what's happened with Mike Rear, okay, so he came in two years ago in the middle of summer, you know, when they finally hired him. He really didn't get a chance to implement all of his draft choices. He kind of took what the Sharks had already done, and I'm sure they made a few choices that he was looking at. And then last year was his first real draft. So uh, they've had 18 draft choices over the course of the last two seasons. And now they've got nine draft choices on this next uh, draft. Two of them are first-rounders already. They could have the potential to have a third first-rounder. But one thing that he has done is he's tried to get more veteran players at the Barracuda level, start to create a winning environment. And it has been really thin there, Grant. And, And, you know, you look at the cupboards, you know, we're barren. Basically, I think Doug Wilson had traded, tried to go for that Stanley Cup, um, got rid of a lot of assets and just didn't have the, you know, the people in the organization to finally start backfilling uh, when guys were starting to kind of roll out or, you know, basically get older and retire. So it's, it's one of those things where now he's trying to change that culture from the Barracuda level and adding some depth players and some more role players and obviously some older players to kind of stabilize. It's just going to take a little more time, but that's kind of the process of trying to w- create that winning environment in the AHL with the Barracuda. San Jose Sharks color analyst uh, Brett Hedekin uh, is with us. Uh, Kevin Carey show with Grant Fuhr in Sports 1440. Uh, how would you grade uh, Mike Greer's job that he's done since he's come in with, uh, you know, he's got some dead cap space and some buyout uh, things that he had to take care of. And um, moving forward, uh, what kind of job uh, have you, would you say, what kind of grade would you give uh, Mike Greer moving forward here? I think it's a little bit early to kind of give him an overall grade, but I, I, I think you know, when he drafted the players from this last draft, we might not see some of these players for another, uh, you know, another year or two. And that's hard to be able to kind of, you know, change the direction of the boat, a, a large boat that takes time to turn around and start moving in a different direction. Um, I, I like some of the guys he brought in this year. I mean, Ty Emerson is a guy they just picked up recently. Kyle Burroughs has got some edge to him. Um, you know, Jan Ruda has got a couple Stanley Cups with, with the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, Mackenzie Blackwood. I, I think it's just slowly taking some time. Now, I think Mike Hoffman came over in a deal that he had to take him, I believe, uh, for the Eric Carlson trade. And Mike Hoffman, for me, has been a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, nine games, he's got one assist. And he got benched last game after, you know, Sharks were up one nothing going into the third period. And he turns the puck over. And the effort just hasn't been there for, for Hoffman, unfortunately. Uh, he got benched the rest of the game, and, and, the, and the Sharks end up losing to the Washington Capitals. So, you know, finding the right players, getting maybe rid of the players that aren't going to work. And you know, Grant, as well, is that, you know, sometimes you got to cut people out of the environment, no matter what the case is, and just start to get guys in there that care, get guys that want to move in the right direction. And when you start to do that, I think things will start to shift. But overall, grade, I would say, you know, maybe a B right now. Hmm. Grant, you got one last one for Brett? Yeah, going forward with the Sharks, so you were saying there's got to be pieces cut out and such. It is, 
Mike's plan to trying to uh, sort of eliminate that one piece that doesn't fit. Like you've, if you've got 15 guys on the same page and you've got one guy without that one guy drags everybody else down. So it's the plan to try and weed those guys out and build from the American hockey league all the way up. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's slowly happening and I, I could it happen quicker probably. And, you know, I think it could happen quicker, but um, you know, he's, he's got his hands on the wheel and, and I'm sure he's, tapped into what he needs to do in the, in, with the Barracuda and knowing, you know, he trusts a lot in David Quinn. I think David Quinn's done it. I mean, you know, the record, you know, you go, well, you can't be doing a good job, but the guy is phenomenally patient, but also he's, he holds guys accountable and he's been a good teacher. He's been able to talk to players. Um, you know, he hasn't had the success so far this season, but I think for the most part, he's trying to do his best to keep his head up and continue to kind of build, uh, like you say, from the ground up with these players. But it's been a struggle. There's no doubt. It's been taxing on the on the coaching staff. It's been taxing on the players. And they're just hopefully going to get a win here this week to, so they can kind of get things moving in the right direction. Yeah, it just takes that one, right, Brett, just to kind of get the ball rolling and things like that. The Oilers are in uh, San Jose on the 9th, so a week from this Thursday. Is there still a buzz? I mean, we never, like, we always hear Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, top two players in the world do you still get a buzz uh, when they pay a visit to to a rink like in san jose absolutely i mean anytime Connor mcdavid and Drysidle are, are coming into san jose i get excited i mean it's just it'd be like gretzky you know when he would come into town when you could play against him early in my career or even watch him for that matter on tv it's it's amazing it's uh, well, what did he look like the other night i didn't get a chance i think we okay. were, were working that night but uh, the other yeah. night on the outdoor game i mean he played 23 and a half minutes after missing two games on an outdoor surface uh, uh he cut hard to the net on one play he, he looked just fine for just returning after being off for a week yeah that's good to, good to hear that he's back in the lineup for the oilers and yeah it's there's still a buzz to answer your question kevin People know Connor McDavid in San Jose. People know Leon Dreisaitl in San Jose, and they get excited to watch these two great players without question. Well, Brett, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, and uh, hopefully the Sharks can turn things around soon and look forward to next uh, Thursday's game in uh, San Jose, uh, Oilers and Sharks. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, and uh, great talking to you, Grant. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. Talk to you soon. That's Brett Hedekin, Sharks color analyst for Elevate Your Game uh, by Ram Elevators and Lifts, uh, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. Well, Grant, I guess you got to start doing some prep work. You've probably been doing it for on the plane a little bit for tonight's game against uh, Abbotsford. How do you see this one shaking out? Uh, we did a little review over the weekend, but mm-hmm. it, we got to get a little bugaboo of home ice out of our system right now. So we could use a big win at home ice and Abbotsford's going to be a big challenge. They score a lot of goals, but they give a lot of goals up. So it could be an interesting night. Dia de los Muertos. How's that pronunciation? That was actually pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if it was any good at all. I think you're just being kind, but uh, hopefully maybe we'll see you with uh, some sort of a goalie mask to start things off on the broadcast tonight. Well, I think tonight we're just radio, so... Oh, rats. Well, we'll that, see. I have, the, I have the mask for that. <laughs> Thanks for coming on again. I mean, I know it's been uh, a whirlwind uh, few days for you, and uh, I'm sure so many of our listeners were glad to see you when you are up here uh, in Edmonton. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Grant.
All right, thanks, Kevin. All right, that's uh, our Hockey Hall of Famer every Tuesday, Grant Fear on Sports 1440, uh, 9 to 11. Thanks to uh, Arif Hassan from Wide Left Post uh, to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli uh, brought it again at uh, the 8 o'clock hour. And hey, Doug Hicks. Man, the wine's going to be coming in to the Sports 1440 studios. Can't wait. Shereen Williams. Now that is a Hall of Famer. You can tell that's a Hall of Famer. We got a text in from Eddie Steele said uh, she knows her stuff. That uh, Eddie Steele sent that one in. Uh, plus, Brett Hedekin, uh, thanks for the uh, Sharks color analyst. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is a Fantasy Frenzy with... Former Roshep T-Bird. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn. Uh, the lowdown, 12 o'clock till 2. And Jason Greger takes us home on Sports 1440 from 2 to 6 with the Jason Greger. Thanks to you, our listeners, so much uh, for uh, checking in this morning. We're back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. David Schlemko, our co-host uh, at the top of the hour. It is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke with a sports update. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.